0: Well, good morning again. We have uh, been in a series about building great families without losing your mind. That's the key, okay? So um, we've uh, talked about a number of things. Last week, we kind of talked about children. Uh, So this week, sorry, I'm a little out of breath because as I was sitting down here, I remembered I forgot my clicker in my office. And I don't know if this comes as a surprise to you. I do not sprint a lot, okay? (laughs) Except when I forget my clicker in my office, which is, of course, locked, so I had to, you know, anyway, so. So I'm a little out of breath. It's, uh, I wish I could say it's the Holy Spirit, but it's when old guys got to run very far. So, so uh, today we're going to have a, a, a fun conversation together, but before we jump into that, uh, let's uh, look on our memory verse uh, today. Really, Lord? <laughs> Pardon? The, oh, it's, it's not hooked up back there. So, <laughs> okay. Well, I'll, I'll give you the thing. So let's jump to the uh, jump to this, uh, next to the memory verse slide. Oh, we don't. Oh, it's not that you don't have this. It's that you don't have any slides. Yeah, that's my fault, actually. I forgot to give that to them. So you can look at this pretty thing and I'll tell you what the stuff is in between. <laughs> so uh, I'm really glad we have a relaxed church. We're not one of those uptight churches because I'd get fired. I'm just pretty sure that would be the, be the case. So, so what we're going to talk about this morning is conflict, okay? <laughs> Who knew? Um, so here's, here's what I know. Uh, about about marriage, is that every marriage has some level of conflict if you've been married for longer than about a minute, right? Uh, it's just it's just a part of it. Uh, it's in the nature of living in connection with one another um, and figuring out, even just in groups, in churches, any kind of group of people, if you have, you know, two people, you're going to have some sort of conflict at, at some point. And in family, especially during the child-rearing years, because, like, the pressure is up, you know, about how you do it and all the things that have to be done and and all of that. So conflict is an important sort of thing for us to talk about uh, together. And if you're filling out your notes, uh, that'll give you the key to what should be up here. Uh, Here's here's what I think. Every couple has conflict. The question is, will you do conflict in a healthy, God-honoring way or painful, destructive ways? You understand what I'm saying? You can do conflict a couple of different ways. One of them is painful and hurtful and, and is destructive to your relationship. But there are ways of doing conflict that are life-giving because they help to bring you together. They help you to get past those things uh, that, are, that are difficult uh, in, in life. And, and I would argue that the real test of your spirituality is how you treat your spouse when you disagree. Okay, And how you treat others when you disagree. It's easy to treat people I like well. It's harder to treat people well when I'm in conflict with them, especially if the emotions get going a, a little bit. And so this, this is a, a spiritual issue because God wants good for you and for your marriage. He is for you. And so a lot of what we're going to look at, the first part of this, are kind of guardrails, you know? Uh, y'all, if y'all have gone over any over of the passes, do you appreciate the fact that there's some guardrails on some of those roads up there? I mean, it's like, yeah, as someone who has a fear of height, sometimes just driving over to Leavenworth is like, Lord have mercy, you know, because it's like, you can go over there, and I realize those are big heavy guardrails, uh, and you can overrun them if you want, seems like a bad idea to me, but these are the guardrails kind of in, in our uh, marriages and, and families. So there's a lot of conflict in the Bible, lots of conflict. It starts out with Cain and Abel, right, where one brother kills another brother. That is not a recommended way to handle conflict, right? Abraham and Lot, Jacob and Esau, Jacob and Laban, Saul and David, Mary and Martha, Jesus' disciples, Paul and Barnabas, and the whole Corinthian church just had all kinds of conflict in it. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to go um, at about 30,000 feet, and this is really unfortunate that I don't have these because I'm going to hit a lot of scripture this morning, and I'm going to kind of read it to you. I wish I, you were able to see it, but for whatever reason this morning, we didn't. I didn't get there. Um, so... Um, I'm going to go through a lot of scripture, and I know that's different. Normally, I'm very, very careful about like having a text and working right out of that text. But God has kind of scattered the information about conflict throughout the Bible in all kinds of places. There isn't one just kind of place where He says, "This is how you do conflict." Uh, he's put that all sorts of places. Um, and the other thing I need to say is, we're not talking about abuse. Okay? So what I'm talking about is the normal family stuff which can be very sharp and can eventually lead to divorces if you don't handle it well and all those sorts of things. But there is a thing that happens sometimes in marriage that is abusive. And that's a different set of rules for how that all works. So please understand that as as we talk today. I'm not talking about uh, people who are in abusive relationships. If you find yourself in something like that, I would love to talk to you and we can see about getting some help uh, for you. So um, if you you have your Bibles, let me just kind of start with the, the first part here kind of lay the foundation. We always go to the beginning. This is in Genesis 2, 23 uh, and 24. Uh, The man said, "This this is now bone of my bone. This is Adam speaking, having been introduced to Eve. And bones of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman, for she has taken out of man. That is why a man leaves his father and mother and is united to his wife, and they become one flesh. So a couple of words in there, united and one flesh. That's the foundation for marriage, the two become one, okay? That, 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 that's the goal. That's the way it is. And so when conflict separates us, that makes it a spiritual issue, right? When we, can, we use conflict to come back together, that makes it a spiritual issue as well, but we're going the right way. So the goal and purpose of marriage is oneness in Christ, amen? Okay, so um, guys, I'm going to just give you a hint because guys are not as tuned in. Places in this sermon where if you say amen, it's good for your marriage, Okay? But likewise, if you don't say amen at that point, it might not be real good this afternoon for lunch, okay? So we'll just kind of go with that. So, so four common ways uh, that people uh, deal with conflict. The first one uh, is, uh, and you maybe spot yourself in this, the first one is go for the win. Anyone want to say amen? Not about your spouse, okay? So this one is one that I've had to struggle with. Go for, and you have like Cain, you know, of Cain and Abel. And the Apostle Paul was the go for the win kind of guy. Okay? And it's the idea of, i got to win this argument. Forgetting that the purpose is to be won, not to win the argument. And you see this in Paul and Barnabas, where uh, Barnabas, uh, and Paul, Barnabas was the guy that brought Paul into the church, right? Nobody wanted to trust him. And, and then later on, they're having this argument about uh, uh, John Mark who had kind of left them on a missionary trip, and Barnabas wanted to give him a second chance and bring him along, because that's the way Barnabas was, and all of that. And they had such a sharp argument that they, dis- they had separated from one another. So Paul was the, I'm going to win, I'm right, kind of guy. Later on, he had to kind of backtrack in Scripture. But, but that's, that was kind of his way of thinking about it. And so, um, let, me, let me just say this. Your spouse is not your competition. Your spouse is not your competition. Your spouse is your partner. And, and so it's about working together. And honestly, when you're a go-for-a-win kind of person, competitive kind of person, you can injure your, your relationship with this kind of a thing. So the, if your goal is winning in a conflict, you've already lost. Because in winning, you damage the oneness. Does that make sense? Okay. Uh, so another one is throw your hands up, up and give up. Okay. This was Abraham and Lot, you know, David and Absalom. Uh, the difficulty with going, okay, I'll just do what you want. One just kind of gives in, is that it creates a, a certain amount of stress and bitterness and stuff that, that goes down. After a while, people get tired of always losing. Even when they think they're right, they just they just get it, give up on it. And then it has a tendency then to come and bite, bite us later in life. And so throwing your hands up and giving in is not what God would intend for us. And then there's another one called strategic retreat. This is what Barnabas did when he got into conflict with Paul. Eventually, he, he just kind of said, okay, you go your way. I'm going to go my way. I'm going to take John Mark. You can, you know, that kind of thing. And, and the, the difficulty with a strategic retreat is that it breaks relationship. And so this wonderful, wonderful partnership between Paul and Barnabas was broke because Paul had to win and Barnabas just kind of stepped back from the whole thing said okay you know he got run over in the process and then of course the last one is what we what we would think of as healthy resolution this is what Jesus did where he talked and he cared and he walked with and he loved and he was willing to play the long game with people to bring them into becoming who God had intended them to be. Uh, and there's some great helps if you look at our Facebook, our lobby Facebook page. We, people, uh, I asked the question, the sermon starter was, how do you help handle conflict in your marriage? And there's some good ideas uh, there. Um, so let's, let's look at some, uh, some things that Scripture says about conflict. And it's kind of a long list of them. One of the ones that it says uh, is that we should pump the brakes emotionally. You didn't know it said pump the brakes in Scripture, did you? So Proverbs 15, 18. A hot-tempered person stirs up conflict but the one who is patient calms a quarrel ah, anybody feeling any guilt don't raise your hand okay some people that just anger get, gets us Ephesians 4:31. let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you along with all malice so within the course of marriage sometimes there's a difference between how people solve conflicts right sometimes somebody's like get her done sort of thing and somebody else it takes they need to take a step back in, in, in all of that and i i remember this particularly with my dad my dad um struggled with anger right and my mom was this kind of calm person and one of the things that that he would often do and we were able to watch my parents work through conflict is sometimes he would say i just need to go for a walk and that was his way of saying, I'm angry, and I need to slow this down, right? So he understood that he was angry, but he, but he knew that if he walked away, took a walk, came back, he could address it again. And, and sometimes one part of the, 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 the combination, the family, needs to think about it a little more than, than the other uh, part of it. And so um, it's important, if you're the kind of person that, get, that gets emotional, gets angry, that sort of thing, just pump the brakes. It's Okay. You do not have to solve everything in the first moment that you discover you have a problem. Amen? It's okay. You're, you're, you're married for life. There's going to be another opportunity to talk about this somewhere along the line. Okay, uh, And then uh, uh, another part of this one has been helpful for me. Proverbs 15.1 says, A gentle answer turns away wrath, but harsh words stir up anger. Isn't that good? I don't know about you. This is the one the Holy Spirit made me memorize really early on because I am a verbal person, and you'll find in marriages one is more verbal than the other. Often the women are more verbal than the men, but in our case, I'm the verbal one, and so it's really easy for me to just kind of jump in, right, and have, I'm right, and you're wrong, and this is what it's all about, but that does not seem to be effective, and I'm speaking from experience there, okay? And we won't talk about how much, but I'm speaking from experience, But I have learned that a gentle answer has a very different sort of effect than than one that is harsh and and driven forward. Ephesians 4:6 talks about about this issue of anger. In your anger, do not sin, which implies that you can be angry and not sin. Okay? Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry, and do not give the devil a foothold. So here's the deal: you can't control whether or not you get angry but you absolutely can control what you do when you are angry, okay? I really want you to hear that because there's this common thing that floats around in society today where you'll hear people make excuses for what they did when they say, well, I was angry, or worse, they made me angry. That does not excuse your behavior. You may have to walk away, I get that, but you are responsible for your actions when you're angry, got real quiet in here right okay you are responsible for your actions when you are angry okay uh so that's just important that we uh get that and there's another thing called rage that's a different sort of thing and they really can't control that but you need to go see somebody if that's if that's an issue in in your life for sure because that will destroy your marriage really really uh quickly um so another one that's in scripture is guard your mouth okay The Scripture says it much nicer than that, but they're better with language than me. Guard your mouth. Say, guard your mouth. Don't look at anybody when you say that, okay? Just guard your mouth, okay? Uh, Then this is about uh, the way we use words, and words said in anger, words that are dishonoring or belittling or name-calling, they can damage your marriage long term, Okay? They are, they're some of the worst wounds that can happen. Put downs, personal attacks, any of that. And here's the deal. You cannot take words back. I know there's a thing out there where people talk about, well, I, let me take those I take that back, right? It can't be done. Words can't be unheard, just like you can't unring a bell. And so I, I just want to really encourage you, guard your mouth. Guard what you say. Proverbs twenty-one, twenty-three: Whoever keeps his mouth and his tongue keeps himself out of trouble. And all of the men said, amen, right? You know, I'm telling you, this is a really important skill. You do not have to sh- talk. <laughs> you know, shut up. Be quiet. Okay? I mean, that's, that's scriptural advice. Shut up. It goes better that way uh, in, in your life. Ephesians 4.29, let no corrupting talk come out of your mouth. Let no corrupting talk come out of you, but only such as is good for building up as fits the occasion, that it may give you grace, that it may give grace to those who hear. So that's interesting. That's a context of conflict, right? Don't say something that's corrupting or hurtful or damaging to the other person. Instead, here's your challenge. When you are in the middle of full-blown conflict, and you may love each other, but you're not sure you like each other, that is the moment when you are to say words to build them up. Now, that's a pro tip right there, okay? That's so important that we do this. In fact, Colossians says, instead of doing the destructive thing, Colossians 4, six. let your speech always be gracious. Always be gracious, seasoned with salt. And salt was expensive um, and really a, one of the best seasonings in that day. So that you may know how you ought to answer each person. Can I just give you a tip? Again, I'm somebody who speaks fast and I think on my feet and I'm quick to give an answer. But when I am in conflict, I have discovered that if I will shut my mouth for a while i very often have a much better answer even if i haven't changed my opinion about the situation i say it better and i can say it in a way that's not destructive okay there's something powerful about about how we use words in in those situations another one out of the bible is practice humility okay Humility is a word that's not in our culture very much. We've kind of pushed that away almost like it's a bad thing. You know, it's all about, you know, me getting mine and I'm going to stand up to people and and that that whole thing. And and being humble is somehow considered a bad thing. But the lack of humility is incredibly destructive in in relationships. And this is so, so important. In fact, I would argue if the foundation of Christian marriage is love, the floor is humility. Humility. It's the thing you live on and walk on and how you get into, in life. Um, and so um, there was this encounter Jesus had in, in Matthew 18 uh, with the disciples, uh, and they were treating one another in less than a Christ-like way and arguing about who is the greatest. Uh, and so they kind of asked Jesus, and here's what Jesus said, uh, Matthew 18, uh, 1 through 5. Truly I say to you, unless you turn and become, unless you change and become like children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. And so if then there was any doubt of what it meant to become like children, he goes on, whoever humbles himself like this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And whoever receives one such child in my name receives me. Now listen to that. Humility is what makes you the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Who knew that it was humility? And we don't hardly talk about that. And it's the one that that makes you received in Christ's name through all of that. And so humility is gigantic to our relationships. 1 Peter 5, 5. Likewise, you who are younger, be subject to the elders. Clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility toward one another. For God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. So humility, not thinking more of yourself than you ought, is, is powerful in our lives. In fact, when I was growing up when, as a teenager, we used to have this thing where when in the youth group would say attitude check. Any of you remember that, you know, and it, and it was this idea of, you're, you know, you've got the wrong attitude here. You're coming at this like you're the boss or you're coming at this in a, an attitude check. Say attitude check yeah attitude check is a good thing in in relationships that we that we that we come at this with humility that this is the person god has given us that we're called to be one keeping all of that in mind in the middle of it and i know humility kind of people don't understand exactly what that is so i think the best working definition i've heard is that humility is not thinking less of yourself it's thinking of yourself less okay it's not thinking less of yourself. It's like, like oh, I got no talent and I'm no good and kind of the poor self-esteem sort of thing. It's just actually thinking about yourself less and therefore thinking about others more. That, that's humility, right? Okay, so another one is, is show mercy. Matthew 5, 7 says, Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. So when we show mercy to our spouse, you're sure you got a man, I can, I'm going to crush him, I'm going to win this argument, right? And, and you show mercy in that moment. You, number one, you're blessed by God, okay? Which I don't care what kind of an argument you're having with your spouse, God's blessing is better than winning that argument, amen? Okay, on your marriage. You're blessed by God, and when you need mercy, it will be there for you, The Beatitudes are always kind of scary because they say them kind of in nice ways. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. But the implication is, if you're not merciful, when you need it, it ain't going to be there. And I've lived long enough to tell you this. At some point in your life, you are going to need mercy. You're going to mess it up. You're going to do the wrong thing. Something's going to happen. You are going to need mercy in a big kind of way in your life. Show mercy. Mercy is so important. Any of you found yourself yet in these things going, oh, that's me right there, that's my... Nope. raise your hand, okay? So, blessed is the merciful. You will need it. And then um, another one of them, if you're filling in your notes there, is look for the problem inside before you look outside. Look for the problem inside before you look outside outside. Um, So there's this this great uh, passage in Luke and and Matthew where Jesus uh, tells someone who's kind of being judgmental about some stuff, and they were really concerned that they were right. And it's called the the kind of the parable of the, the log and the speck, right? And it's the idea that they're, they're looking at somebody who's got a speck in their eye of sin when they got a log in their eye and they're trying to, to get it out. And, and, and that's that idea of that, that it, it's possible. And I know this, everybody just kind of listen and hold on for a minute. And I, I realize I'm about to give up preaching and going to meddling. But it's possible that you're wrong. Does that come as a revelation, you know? So that's the whole look inside. Look at the fact that, oh, wait, maybe I have something to do with this. Maybe, Maybe a part of this problem is me, just a little part, but maybe a part of this problem is me in this whole thing. That will change the way you go about it. Look for the problem inside before you look for the problem outside. Okay, get the log out of your eye before you deal with the speck in your spouse's eye. And then uh, here's another one that kind of goes with that: Listen first, then seek understanding. Listen first, then seek understanding. Okay, and and just to kind of remind you, listening so you can make your next point is not really listening; it's strategizing. (laughs) Now I know that that hit about 95% of you. Okay, we've all done that, right? In the middle of an argument, and you're listening, you go, ooh, they're wrong on that one, I'll bring that one up, and I'll bring that Some of you want to whip out a piece of paper and kind of write them down as they go, you know, ah, I got that one, I got that one, I got that one, you know? That's, that's not listening. Listening is, is the, the uh, understanding what they're really trying to get at. And here's just encourage you to go to our lobby page. I've kind of, uh, when I talked about one of the things that's been really helpful uh, in, in our marriage, uh, this was one uh, that was helpful because most marriages, somebody talks, again, like more than others, right? And if you've met my wife, she is quiet, okay? And so early on in our marriage, I I like to win. Uh, I'm very verbal. I would just run her over (laughs) and all of that. And we got introduced to an idea that really helped with that. But what it came down to was I had to learn to listen first and seek understanding of what was going on in her life. And it was amazing how much it got better when I started doing that. So here's some of the verses. Proverbs 18, 13. If one gives an answer before he hears, he is folly and shame." They should just write Craig on the end of that okay James 1 uh, 19 21 know this my that my uh, my beloved brothers and sisters let every person be quick to hear slow to speak again I'm pretty sure James had me in mind when he wrote this for the uh, and slow to anger for the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God so say quick to hear slow to speak that will be really powerful when you are in there. If you guys will listen, it's so much, uh, so helpful uh, in our lives. And then another one, guard your heart. Guard your heart. It's easy for bitterness to get tangled up when we're in, in things and in the hurts that happen. Hebrews 12 says, Strive for peace with everyone and for holiness without which no one shall see the Lord. See to it that no one fails to obtain the grace of God, that no root of bitterness springs up and causes trouble, and by it many become defiled. I love that image of root of bitterness, because in my experience, that's the way it works. It, it's, a, it's a little thing that happens, a little disappointment, a, a little hurt that, that begins to fester in our souls because we don't get, get it out of there. We don't get past it, and, and it gets bigger and bigger and bigger, and, and what would have been fairly easy to take care of if we addressed it right up front, years later becomes this giant sticker bush it's just wrought with all kinds of problems. Roots of bitterness are just, just little things that turn into big things, and bitterness will destroy relationships quicker than almost anything. It's just, they're just so destructive. Guard your hearts. Guard your hearts. And here's one of the ways you do that. Forgive quickly. Forgive quickly. My mother-in-law, when I got married the the weekend that we were getting married uh, and ever since then she has only given me one piece of marital advice and it was forgive quickly it's gold it's gold. Forgive quickly. Uh, So there's a passage in Matthew where Peter uh, is is like, um, Peter struggled with humility. I think that's why we like him so much. But there's been an argument uh, about forgiveness and how many times there are forgiveness. So he comes to Jesus, and he's looking for a pat on the back from Jesus. And he says to Jesus, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? Up to seven times? right? Which sounds like, you know, okay. But you have to understand in the law, they had to forgive three times. So now he's doubled it, plus he's added one, and he's gotten to the perfect number, seven, which in their culture was big. So he's like, I'm really going way out on a limb here. I'm really doing this good. And then Jesus says to him, answered, I tell you, not seven times, but 77 times, or some translations are seven times 70, which is like 490 times, right? forgive. There's something powerful about that. And again, I'm not talking about abusive things. That's a different kind of thing. But but in the context of normal marriage, forgiveness is so, so powerful. Somebody say amen, okay? Forgiveness is so, so powerful. And I guarantee you, if you're going to stay married for a lifetime, and Jody and I will be 40, not this fall, but but the next fall, you will need to forgive. It's just essential to the ingredients uh, of what, what's going on. Make allowance for each other's faults and flaws. And then the part that everybody wants to jump to before all these others, speak the truth in love. Okay, what was the most important part of that sentence? In love, exactly right. Uh, what I find is some people call themselves truth tellers and they focus on the telling the truth but not the love part, right? They're just really good at finding other people's faults. Listen to Ephesians. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way, this is what happens when we speak the truth in love, into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part of it is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in, guess what the word is? Love, yeah. And so that's the, that's the, the essence of it. And so I've struggled with how to identify when it's in love and when it's not uh, in love. And I had a mentor tell me this. If you have to speak hard truth to somebody, if it doesn't break your heart, you're not doing it in love. I thought, "That, that has stuck with me. And the only way you can get there is really we only have the right to speak the truth in love with people that we've built enough relationship with that they can accept it from us. Otherwise, they reject it and it makes it worse than it was before. It's part of the reason you need to be in life groups and small groups and accountability groups because it is those people that you've come to love and that you trust and you know would never say anything to hurt you on purpose that can speak the truth in love to you when you need to hear it. And I guarantee every one of us have times in our life when we need to hear the truth spoken in love. Amen. It's just so powerful. It's so powerful uh, in, in marriage. And then stay connected, okay? John seventeen eleven. Holy Father, protect them by the power of your name, the name you gave me, so that they may be one as we are one. Over and over I've watched people when they begin to struggle with the marriage, they go two directions. They either move deeper into the church and reach out and love people and, and they get surrounded or they pull away. And the ones that pull away, it's always a struggle. Because you give up the very people who have pledged to support and encourage you move in move closer stay connected to the people that care about you when you're in trouble you need people to help you amen we live in this hyper individualistic world well we're just going to go off in our corner well that's not going to help and then the last one and if our our musicians could come get help get help. Part of being the part of the church family is that we get help for one another. James 5. 5, Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Pray for one another. Encourage one another. And if you need to, get professional help. Amen? Okay, I've seen counselors do wonderful things with all of that. I do want to encourage you. I wish I had the slide up here. Uh, we are starting a marriage class next Sunday. It's done by Robert Minor, and I thought I was going to have a slide so I don't have all the details. I think it's at 9 o'clock. Is that right? Where's Robert? 9 o'clock here at the church. Uh, what room are you going to be in? Do you know? 204. Uh, Man, I just really want to encourage you to come and be a part of that. And it's not for, you know, if your marriage is totally broken, but this is for continuing to help us learn and grow and get better. Put time and energy into your marriage. No, no, too slow. Put time and energy into your marriage. Yes, uh, be a, a part of it. And then never forget, love is your foundation in all that you do. Hear me, church. Your spouse is a gift of God to you. Your spouse is a gift from God. Now, they may be sandpaper sometimes. They're rubbing off some edges. Amen? Okay. But they are a gift from God. So here's your homework. I have homework for you today. I haven't done this in long. Here's your homework. Say to your spouse every single day, you are a gift to God for me. So look at your spouse and say, you are a gift from God to me. So here's the challenge. This week, I want all of us who are married to say to our spouse every day. It may be as you're going to bed, you're dozing off. I'm sure for me it's going to be Oh, yeah, dear, you're a gift to God from me. But that counts. We'll count it. We'll count it, okay? So, whatever it is, we'll count it. So, let me uh, pray for us uh, in our marriages. Father God, um, we kind of laugh about some of this stuff, but the truth of the matter is our spouses really are a gift to us. Forgive us when we forget that, Father. Uh, Forgive us when we don't affirm our spouses, even in those moments, that we don't treat them like the precious. Gift that they are, that we don't cherish our spouses, Lord. I, I pray that you would do a work in all of our marriages, wherever we're at, whether we're newly married or been married a long time, whether you know it's going great or we're struggling, Father. That you would just by your Spirit fill us with grace and love and humility, Father. Make us willing to examine ourselves and and control ourselves in order to have the kind of marriages you would have, because you made us to be one. To, to be the people you would have us to be, Father. So I dare to ask in Jesus' name that you would give the, the families of Generations Community really great, great messages, great marriages, Father. And you help us continue to grow and become all that you would have us to be. And we ask this in the strong name of Jesus, amen. Hey, church family, thank you for watching this video. It is amazing that you consider this your church home. If you do consider this your church home, we would ask that you would share this video with a friend. If God has been speaking to you, we would hope that you would share this message. As always, like and subscribe so that you don't miss a single video. And tune in each Sunday at 10 a.m. on our live stream, or you can join us in person. We'll see you next week. God bless.